Welcome back to Talk Green to Me, a podcast about materials and sustainability. This is episode 10B, an interview with Eric Gottlieb. He is the CEO and co-founder of Lignolics, a startup that works with Lignin. Eric, can you tell us a little bit more about Lignolics? Lignolics breaks down a component of biomass called lignin. We do that to make sustainable aromatic chemicals and materials. So we work with pulping companies. We work with anyone who produces waste in the form of plant matter that has lignin. And we then develop new ways to these chemicals in things like cosmetics, plastics, animal feed. So wide range of areas where there's, you know, a way to make a more sustainable and more effective chemical. How did you kind of get involved in this area working with lignin? So after I finished my PhD, I started a postdoc at the chemical engineering department, University of Delaware with um, Thomas Epps. And so my area of research there was on like nanostructured materials and like nothing to do with lignin, but a different kind of focus of the group is on uh, bio-based materials. So using components from breaking down biomass, including lignin and making materials out of that. Basically, that's ha- uh, how I got involved because I thought that there was some commercial potential there along with Professor Epps and, and someone else in the group, Robert. So the three of us decided to kind of go along from there and, and try starting a company. And- Did you have any idea of what like lignin really was before you got involved? Only a little. So there was like some relation to research I was doing in my PhD, which I mean, Manala, you know all about, but basically making carbon materials, you know, I was doing that from polymers, but I was kind of looking at different materials that, that are used or precursors that are used to make like high surface area carbons and lignin was actually one of them. Cool. Like now that you know a little bit more about it, how do you kind of describe lignin to other people? You know, I I pretty much always ask like, oh, do you know what lignin is? Because you can get any range of responses from what's a lignin to, oh yeah, of course it's, you know, because depending on what you studied or what you work, it's like either obvious or completely something you've never heard of. But for people who have never heard of it before, I, I generally explain it as like when you look at a tree, it's what makes it brown. And it's also what kind of glues this, uh, the fibers of it together interesting because like I never had heard of lignin until like I went to Georgia Tech and we have this like giant lignin group but I've never really heard anyone talk about the color before yeah that's and that's one of the things that's actually really challenging about lignin for people who are trying to do stuff with lignin you know if you want to use it as a material generally you don't want there to be a color because you want to be able to then impart whatever color you want So the fact that it's brown is actually really problematic for a lot of uses. That makes sense with, I guess like with cellulose or paper or whatever, you can just bleach it, but you probably can't do the same thing with lignin because it didn't the bleach kind of break it down. Yeah. So there's that. And also, you know, the, the color of it kind of comes from inherent chemical makeup of it. So it's not easy in that sense to remove the color without doing, you know, pretty extensive chemical modifications. So how did Lignolics and this whole thing get started? The idea kind of came from looking at the research that was done at the University of Delaware. There were two main areas in that sense. One is with the group, you know, that I mentioned. So with Professor Thomas Epps, 
And that was really in kind of making materials out of lignin. And the other was breaking down lignin. And so that, that part of the research has really been done with Dion Vlachos. The thought was really that if you can, you know, cost-effectively break down lignin into these base components, that there's some real opportunity to make new materials and make new chemicals. Once you had the idea to commercialize this, what kind of kicked it off? So there's the Venture Development Center at, at UD. That was kind of the real kickoff was kind of going there and because starting a business is so different than PhD research or academic research. One of the things that we got involved in is something called i And the whole premise of it is to take your idea and put it aside in terms of the core technology and just go and try to talk to who you think your customers are and try to see if you actually can solve the problems that, they're, that they have. So learning about that whole process and learning how to apply it to what we're doing which especially isn't easy because, you know, what we do is, is like an intermediate. You're not going to probably ever go buy something that we make directly. You might eventually buy something that contains stuff that we produce, but you won't go, you know, it's not like buying a bag of potato chips. And so that makes it much harder to figure out where the opportunity is because you have to go talk to people within large companies and find the right people within those companies. How did you find the people you needed to learn what the demands and needs were? So a combination, I would say, of people who uh, we had some, you know, connection to, you know, getting warm introductions from people who, who we know. And then the other is just a lot of searching on LinkedIn um, and a lot of cold messaging people on LinkedIn. A lot of our early progress on that was actually by just getting lucky. Well, persistence and luck. Either you get lucky and they have the exact problem that you're trying to solve or they have an, a high enough level of view without being too high up that they can say, oh yeah, that is, you know, oh, we have this problem and then you, they can expand on it in a way that helps helps you understand where your value can come in. It's a lot of persistence and a lot of rejection. Uh, I, I think that's probably the biggest thing. So what exactly did you like sell to people? So what does your company kind of do? So what we do is um, kind of our core technology is uh, a way to take lignin and break it down into smaller chemical units. Basically, we found that companies that either have tried to do stuff with lignin or are trying to do stuff with the lignin they have, they run into a lot of issues around finding acceptable ways to use it because lignin has that brown color associated with it. It also tends to have an odor to it. And the fact that it also varies, chemically varies from source to source. All those things make it really difficult to find good commercial uses. And so our whole thing was uh, a cost-effective way to break that down into kind of its basic chemical units. And that allows us to build back up either materials or we can use small molecule applications. So specifically, uh, we made a pressure-sensitive adhesive. So, so one part of the adhesive coming from the chemicals that we produce. In the broadest term, what we sell are chemical intermediates. Um, you know, we don't make final products. We provide uh, bio-based chemicals in various forms that can go into improving a particular end product. Yeah, it's always interesting to see like how, I guess, companies respond to taking these middle products that people make and like incorporate them when moving from, you know, plastic-based to like bio-based stuff. Yeah, and, and the hard part with that is, you know, we can't go sell something 
based off of it being bio-based as much as we want to, because if it costs more, it's really tough to get anyone to be willing to change, even if it costs the same, because changing something costs money. And so we really focus on trying to, to say, well, where can these chemicals have some improvement to the product, not just making it greener? What scale are you producing the intermediates right now? Is it still like lab or benchtop or have you gotten to some bigger processes? So right now we're at a, a bench scale. We, we're currently at about liter scale. It seems like everyone has lignin that they want to use in some way. They want to like make money off of it. We haven't had any problem finding companies that want to work with us in terms of uses for their lignin because right now they either burn it or they have to landfill it. In that sense, moving to a larger scale when it comes to the inputs isn't really all that difficult. The tough thing is in really pushing to develop the products and develop the, the customers that actually want to use these new chemicals. We see ourselves being able to get to pilot scale in the next few years, especially if, you know, as we develop the customers that really have that technical problem that our chemicals are solving. Okay. And so you mentioned that getting rid of the odor and the color are two big issues with lignin. Are there any other like big challenges that you face when uh, working with these things? When it comes to breaking down lignin, that we're, we're pretty good at that at this point, And we're, you know, working on scaling it more. Um, the challenge is really in developing the, the customers because, you know, if I come in and say like, okay, you, you make polymer, you know, plastic, and I'm saying you can replace that plastic with a bio-based alternative. You have to have like a really good reason for them to want to go through and actually work on doing that simply being. Uh, sustainable right now is not necessarily enough to make that happen. I guess the other part that's difficult is um, lignin has like a bad rap um, within the chemical industry from, from my experience. The one line I've heard over and over again from people is you can make anything from lignin but money. And yeah, we get that all the time. Oh yeah. And um, coming in and saying, no, we've got the technology, we figured something out that can fix that reputation. I mean, it's an uphill battle. You know, you have to find people that are open-minded to the idea that there can be that technical progress uh, necessary and that we've done that. Do you think that in the future, there's going to be a lot more like use of lignin or do you think that's still like many years away? Uh, I mean, it's definitely years away. Uh, that's largely part of the, the nature of the chemical and materials kind of industries are that it's slow um, and that's by necessity, right? If you think about what we have as a, a new process to break down, lignin, well, that needs to be proven and scaled chemicals that we produce. Those need to then be developed for products or use cases. In a sense, there's a long, a long process to go from something totally new to an end product that's like fully developed. Are there like specific products or applications that you're currently working on? Yeah, so I, we're working on a few areas. I would say broadly the two categories are kind of in materials and in like specialty like additives. So when it comes to the materials, monomers, the base components that we get out can be functionalized and made into uh, what are called acrylate or methacrylate monomers. Those can be used as uh, components in polymers and they have 
technical component like aspects to them that make them of use beyond just the fact that they're bio-based. So they have, you know, thermal stabilities that are better than um, some of the materials that they'd be replacing. And there are applications where that's desirable that can make it much more of a, a draw to a potential customer rather than just being bio-based alone. On the additive side of things, inherently lignin is good as an antioxidant, antimicrobial, and so once we break down the lignin, how do we do as little further work as possible? Because more chemical steps you need to do, the harder it will be from a cost perspective. And so things like antioxidants and things like antimicrobials are an area where basically, again, focusing on where we have some real technical um, value to provide. Is there like something that you have developed that's like marketable yet? Well, right now we're kind of at the point where we need to be able to do some testing and it's not testing that we would be doing. It's, you know, like a contract. Good luck getting that done in the current circumstances. We're, we're working on it is the, the short, the short answer. Do you have something that you can let just our listeners know or a way for them to kind of get involved or improve their sustainability in this area at all? In this area, I would say that's a little tough, but what I, I could say is look into companies, like what they're actually doing with sustainability, because some don't do anything and that's obvious and that's fine. But you get a lot of companies that are just doing lip service, right? They, they say they're doing things that are sustainable when in reality, all they're doing is what they can to get the PR. So figure out which companies are really trying to make an impact beyond just what will be a good PR campaign. How could an average person tell that? Because I guess you get to talk to people at the companies and it becomes obvious, but like a normal person just looking on a website, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think right now there's a one thing about sustainability is that it goes along with a lot of other aspects of corporate culture. So you can look at companies and how, for example, they're responding to the current COVID crisis. And uh, it's one of those things where it's like actions speak louder than words, right? The, the companies that are saying that they are doing things that are contrary to their bottom line, but are the right things. I mean, a great example of this is Patagonia. You can look at how they've responded and it's very clear that they're doing everything they can to, to do right by their employees. And that translates to also how they think about sustainability. Beyond that, you know, cause it's kind of, that's kind of a very time sensitive example. It's really tough to to really um, to say based off of like labels and and based off of you know packaging things like that. But you know, pretty much every website for every company at this point, large company, will have a sustainability section. Looking at what's on there can tell you a lot. Trying to look between the lines of their stuff and say, well, did this just save them money and they're calling it sustainability, or is this like actually a tough choice that they had to make? That gets you a lot more, I would say, than than you know just taking their word at things. The other thing is to just kind of keep track of how these companies kind of appear in the news. Yeah, exactly. And um, there are companies that are announcing like, okay, 100% of their packaging is going to be recycled or recyclable, you know, things like that, where they're making commitments. The real thing to look for is what kind of follow through they have. You know, if they say they're committing to something by 2025 and then they decide uh 2030 and like yeah it's tough so 
sometimes you have to move those things, but then you look at, okay, what progress was actually made, seeing where actions are as opposed to the letter, you know, just what they're telling you. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely helpful. And getting these ideas to a general audience is useful for them to kind of be able to gauge companies for themselves and make these decisions for themselves as well. Do you have like a fun fact about Lignin? I guess one fun fact is that a lot of petroleum actually is basically from lignin. So lignin was something that was really difficult in nature to process as well. So like, we're not the only ones that struggled to, to process lignin, nature did too. So basically, uh, fungi are the main thing that break down lignin and they didn't actually develop, you know, the ways to break down lignin for a long time. And so that's like a lot of the biomass that became petroleum. It was stuff that didn't get to break down um, through natural means because evolution hadn't caught up to it yet, basically. I think that pretty much covers it from us. Thanks so much for joining us again. No problem. Thank you so much. This episode was edited and produced by Manali Banerjee with music from Saucy Boy Records. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at TGTM Podcast. And send any comments and questions to talkgreentomepodcast at gmail.com.